what we do here is go back, 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 back. Recording in progress. Welcome, welcome to the House of Souls Separately, a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing human beings that tune in every single episode. You guys are awesome, man. Um, I, so much gratitude, especially for the recent injection of growth, is phenomenal. Uh, you know. Uh, at, for for any of our, my my newbies, you know, listen, like the OG listeners will tell you, um, we're anti-status quo folk here. Like we don't believe in following, you know, <laughs> what society says you should do. We're artists, we're producers, we're creatives, we're entrepreneurs. We're like we're doing things outside of the box. And I often say, like, look, you may be misunderstood. Good. That means that you're probably, you know, doing something different than how everybody else is following. It means you're putting yourself into more of a leadership role and you're trying to figure shit out. And I really, really, really appreciate you guys for owning that because that's much of our audience. Uh, and that's also money of my guests. Right. And uh, for all the newer listeners, it's nice to meet you. I'm Matt Gottesman. You can reach out at Matt Gottesman. Some of you might know me from HDF magazine. Come reach out to me at, at Matt Gottesman. Um, continue to just kind of really you know, really uh, have more of a, a one-on-many relationship there and community. And everybody will tell you I answer every DM, text, reply, response like the last eight, nine years. So I don't have any plan on stopping there. And we have a really strong community. And uh, also for the newer listeners, uh, listen, I always say we're not going to glamorize or glorify end success here. I, success is a very, very arbitrary word. That's to be defined by you. I cannot give that to you. Um, and I like to have these kind of conversations with guests on what are they experiencing in real time as they're creating, because, uh, you have to be able to define what it is that like makes you, you and, uh, is your path. And I always say, don't let society dictate that for you. Please do not let society dictate that for you. Um, and, uh, you know, we talk about real shit that's happening and then how it can also be applicable. I, I like you guys to see like, look, we're all, we're all very similar. We're all dealing with different, similar, but different things, different paths. Right. So, uh, this week will be, uh, no different and it'll be, uh, incredible, uh, as I've got Kyle Creek, AKA the captain on, uh, and I, I love the fact that he goes by a writer, creator, instigator. We actually were just chopping up for a good 20 minutes before the, uh, the podcast, all things on business to creativity, um, you know, to uh, how we treat the people we work with to, you know, how do we treat clients to, um, you know, where we're heading technologically. I mean, there's a lot of things that we'll dive into and I'll give you uh, his background here shortly. But the idea that is here is that, listen, I always tell you guys we're very multifaceted uh, individuals that we're more than one thing. and We can't let ourselves be boxed into like some thing and some category. Don't let people do that to you either. And don't do that to yourself. The bottom line is, is that like, I'm a writer, I'm a businessman, I'm a creative, right? I'm a technologist, right? I'm millions of different things. I'm a guy, you know, I'm a man. Like I'm, you know, we're, we're all these different, we wear a lot of different hats and um, you cannot be defined by any one category, but you do have the responsibility to take care of the things that you are, have, create, you know, and, and how you relate to everybody else, right? You know, your character, if you will. Um, and so 
we're going to be talking quite a bit about, you know, managing yourself almost as a business, you know, for the things that you do on the creative side, as well as, you know, um, going all in on yourself and, and everything in between. Uh, Kyle grew up in Utah, moved a lot because of writing opportunities. I'm sure you guys have seen his stuff all over the web. We were actually talking about that, what we've dealt with over the years. Uh, you've seen his stuff online. Uh, he's uh, worked as a creative director in Las Vegas, New York, L.A., and now Miami. We were actually relating to that quite a bit. Traveled a ton for work, going to all 50 states by the time he was 26. He also toured with some bands for a while. Considers himself an entrepreneur. He absolutely is at heart because making money as a writer requires a lot of self-discipline and business savvy in addition to the ability to write. Uh, I got something on that I want to actually talk to him about that I heard Dr. Dre say. Uh, and he's, uh, you know, he's an open book when it comes to talking about mental health. And he's more than willing to talk about depression and getting through really hard shit. Uh, his most recent book is Speech Therapy. You've probably seen that. Uh, it's what he thinks is his best book yet. Uh, I already relate to him when I saw that statement. Uh, however, he's most known for uh, his book, Fucking History, and the advice humor he shares on social media. Again, you guys have seen all of his stuff. Uh, and he recently became a dad. His son is six months old, and he wasn't someone who was ready for fatherhood. But it's been the best thing that has ever really happened to him. Uh, and uh, we're going to maybe talk about that if he wants to go in. But Kyle, man, uh, Captain, <laughs> thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I love that intro. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, that was, it was incredible, our conversation before. So we're going to go on a tear now. But um, the first question is the only question that ever I actually have the same, which is how do we get here? Um, because, uh, you know, I, the bio won't do it justice. You can do the, the three minute, five minute overview if you want. You can go as far back as you want. Some people do like the Big Bang Theory. I don't know. <laughs> like they'll go as far. But like how, what what was the natural progression to you know, now what you're doing with your writing and uh, and some of the other endeavors that you've got going on, you're allowed to, you know, go in any direction you want. I won't go full Big Bang, but I definitely think it's valuable <laughs> to go back to my childhood. Yes. Um, my dad's been an artist my whole life. Uh, he always worked from home growing up. He was illustrating books, taking whatever gig he could get. So my dad's always kind of been an entrepreneur himself. And my mother at the same time was an English major and a writer. My parents actually made some children's books together growing up. So I grew up in a very creative household. And from an early age, my dad really pushed me to work for myself and to find a way to make my own mark in this world, because that's essentially what he had done as a freelance artist and illustrator. Um, I kind of thought I was going to be a musician. I grew up playing drums. And then because of my size, I, I got into playing sports in high school and ended up getting a full ride scholarship to college uh, to play defensive end for a, a local state college. And I hated football, didn't like it at all, hated sports. I played him because it's something that, you know, people expected of me. And in college is when I realized I just wanted to write. I wanted to create. And I had I had this business course. I kept getting A's on all my papers and realized that writing was what I wanted to do. I dropped off the football team, not because I wanted to write, but because I wanted to pursue a life of partying and drugs and alcohol instead for a while. So I actually ended up my, four, my first two years of college were a complete wash. Um, I don't think I passed anything. Uh, I went back, moved back home, got my shit together, ended up getting some business degrees and really with the idea of hopefully if I can understand the business side of things, I can find a way to be an entrepreneur and to pursue a career in writing. And so for a while there, I wasn't making anything. I was writing for a local newspaper as a music critic for free. I was writing a lot of online blogs for free. And it wasn't until I got a job at an advertising company that I had like my first chance of actually seeing some real money come in from my work. I did interviewed all over the state. I was in Utah at the time and I was told by companies 
we love your work. We love the way you write. And I verbatim, someone told me, I can't hire you because you don't present well to clients because you have your fingers tattooed. <laughs> and, you know, it just it just fueled my fire. So when I went to this interview for this first advertising company that finally hired me, I told the guy, I said, listen, I've interviewed with everyone in the state. If you don't hire me, I'm just going to say, fuck it. and I'm going to go a different route. And he loved that about me, hired me, gave me a chance. And from there, my career kind of just exploded for me for a couple of years. Um, a lot of it was just raw confidence. I felt like I made it. And I was, I remember I bought my first truck and I was like, I cannot believe I was able to buy that truck from riding. So I just had so much positive energy and I attribute a lot of it to like that law of attraction stuff that people like to talk about. Um, I've seen it firsthand in my life because for the next couple of years, I progressed from a copywriter to a senior copywriter, creative director. In a couple of years, I was living in New York City. I was running a full creative team in New York, plus a team in LA, plus a team in Vegas um, with a lot of hospitality clients. And that was my professional career. But on the side, I had this captain persona, which was something I started early on in my ad career. I would write these jokes for clients in TV scripts, and a lot of them would get rejected. But I still thought the jokes were funny. I still thought the observations were on point. So I started tweeting them and those tweets started getting more and more and more attention. It's where it got to the point that I started taking all my A content, putting that on Twitter and giving my clients like my B content. Right, right. I knew it was still going to be good enough. And that's kind of how the captain thing blew up on the side. My dad was the one that encouraged me to publish my first book. Um, I was in a meeting in Washington, D.C. for a client. I was in the lobby waiting for a car and my dad was on the phone with me. He said, you have to write that first book. You're going to regret, you know, you're going to regret it if you don't do it. So I got my first book out and then I eventually ended up getting, you know, a bit of notoriety. That was fucking history. Um, some mutual connections connecting with the literary agent and the re-release of that was published through Penguin Random House, which I'm sure everyone's heard of. And then my recent book, Speech Therapy, I actually went back to self-publishing for that one because nice. for me personally, I found self-publishing is a better route. I like being in more control of my work and I like having only myself to answer to. And so that's where I'm at today. Um, I don't work for agencies anymore. I still do take a lot of contract work. I have a lot of clients that come to me. I left the agency world in 2018. And for the past couple of years, I've really just focused on my personal brand, which we will talk about today because that is, you, you are, you, you, you have to treat yourself like a brand. You have to have a certain level of respect for your work and your creativity. If you really want to get to a point that you can, you know, hopefully influence a lot of people with it. And so that's probably almost as long as the Big Bang Theory background, but I think that gives you a pretty good idea of how I got to where I am. No, I, I love it. I was taking a, a couple of notes along the way. And, um, you know, uh, the uh, first of all, I, I, I get you when you're talking about like the law of attraction, you know, it's like, um, yeah, you know, it's funny. When, sometimes you hear people just say it and it's like, well, you can't just sit there. But like when you can tap into your creativity, you can see that it can actually create a life for yourself, depending on how you, you know, steer the ship, if you will. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, I also like the idea of that, you know, I think a lot of people, um, used to, at least I, it took me a while. I I've always been a writer, but it took me a little bit more of a while to own that. Um, I, I myself, I think struggled with the, the identity of it because sometimes, you know, it used to mean like, oh, you were a writer until you died. And then it, the works became famous, you know, until this thing like mm -hmm. social media kind of came around. You're like, oh, what do you mean? I can just like talk to the world and the world will like maybe listen if they're interested, like, this is cool. Right. Um, and so, um, but 
I like the fact that you brought up self-publishing, more control over your work, which is exactly where we're really heading now more than ever. Um, you know, and I think, uh, and I'd love for you to kind of expand a little bit more on that from the business aspect, because I think that not a lot of people treat enough of their creativity like, um, like a business. And I, I, I said this before, I think on one other podcast about Dr. Dre was one saying, you know, he's like, listen, um, do I like business in the way sometimes people do business and all that other stuff? He's like, not really. He's like, do I love my art? Absolutely. Do I want to only be doing that? Of course. He's like, but if I don't manage myself, I'm paraphrasing. He's like, if I don't manage myself like a business, other people will do it for you. And I certainly don't want other people managing my stuff, especially because they can take advantage of you. Right. And I think that that's the responsibility that I kind of tell everybody. I'm like, look, figure it out. You know, you have to figure out the business side of like making sure that, you know, you're taking care for the work that you do. Figure out like how things, what, what, you know, what are like in terms of writing? What is it worth? What are the books worth? What is the, you know, if you're copywriting for agencies or you're copywriting for, you're a ghostwriter for other people, like you have to figure this out and play around with it, mm -hmm. you know, but I'd love for you to like talk, start. So I, yeah, go ahead. I think, I think to kind of go back on that, um, when I say you need to manage yourself like a business, it doesn't mean you should be creating to try and make money. Yes. If you create to make money first and foremost, I will guarantee you your You're creations really... are either going to be very short lived or they're going to be absolute fucking yes. shit. Um, it's really what Dr. Dre said. I have such a passion for writing and I take my work so seriously that I don't like the idea of someone else telling me what I can and can't say in yes. my work. Yes. And because I, take a lot of pride in being an honest, authentic and outspoken individual. I want to make sure that what I want to say is said the way I want to say it. And so a real simple example is my re my re-release of fucking history. I had to asterisk the U on the cover, which isn't a big deal to a lot of people. But to me, it is because to me, asterisking is almost like apologizing for saying the word in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so I had to make that compromise to try and get into some bigger stores like Barnes and Noble, some independent booksellers. And so when I re-released my new book, which has an F word in the subtitle, you better fucking believe I didn't asterisk that because it's my work and I'm going to say it the way I want to say it. But like going back to that more holistic approach, if you truly believe that your work can impact people or make a difference, or it's just something that's so creative, it's going to get attention. You need to, from the get go, yes. treat that like a business, because just like Dre said, someone else will. If you don't, and how many times have you heard of the art gallery taking advantage of the artist or the manager taking advantage of the musician? It's because those individuals kind of outsource their money to other people. And when there's a lot of money involved, I mean, I'm nowhere near that kind of level. Um, when there's a lot of money involved, you can't trust other people to handle your work correctly. And so from the get go, if you treat yourself like a business, I mean, start an S-Corp, um, start an LLC if you have another buddy or two, you create things worth and treat it like that. And when you have the mindset of a being a business, you're going to operate at a higher level. You just will. It's just one of the things that will happen to you. You'll be more productive. You'll take it more seriously. And that way, if you do down the road, get some notoriety or some attention for your work, you already got the platform to manage it correctly from the, from, you know, the start before it's too late. And you realize that a lot of your work has been, you know, taken advantage of over the years. Yeah, you know, and I just, I think it's, it's like, it's almost being responsible for the thing that you love, right? I mean, mm -hmm. when, you, when you really think about it, like, because it's like, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think what this say, it's like, if you were raising a kid, don't you want to raise that child yourself? Or do you want someone else to raise it exactly. for you? If you let, if you let someone else raise your child and 
that child turns out to be a complete piece of shit, but you let someone else raise it, like you only have yourself to blame for that. Like you should have been the one raising your child. And I tell people like your personal brand and your creation is a lot like a child. I mean, in the get go, it might feel scary. You don't really know what you're doing, but five years down the road, it just feels like a natural part of your life. Like just as a kid assimilates into your life, that work just feels like an extension of you. And so you owe it to yourself to raise it correctly. I never felt comfortable anybody managing my creativity. And, you know, it's funny because you see a lot of people who I feel like a lot of times it's not that they mean to sell out. It's that like they see sometimes like the celebrities and the musicians and things like that. I'm like, well, notice their early career versus their later career. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like and when they start allowing a lot of other people to make decisions for them, especially based on money. There's a certain essence that's like kind of lost from there. I'm like, you can have the money and you can actually have the respect of just doing the things the way you want to. But once you start outsourcing the decision making and delegating the the decision making of you of the brand, like you want to work. I get it. You don't always want to work in the brand. Sometimes you want to work on the brand as a business owner. You hear that all the time. But like always be close to the brand that you've cultivated of yourself. Otherwise, if you're just, you know, you know, I would say like these celebrities and, and some of these, you know, actors and, and whatnot, it's like, well, you have a, just a paycheck too. Yours is just a little bit larger. And then you're mm-hmm. also kind of hooked and addicted to that too. I'm like, but if you were to actually pull yourself out of there and only stick to just the creativity, what would that look like? And how would you manage that differently? You know, and I just, I think that, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to let you finish. I just thought it was a natural chance to jump in there. Um, please, please do. <laughs> but what, what, what you were saying about like looking back on people's early careers, I was a tour manager for metal bands for yeah. a while, like real, real heavy shit. Yeah. And I tell my, my brothers in the metal music, a lot of my friends are, I tell them, I say, look at a band's first record. Yep. That's the kind of music they want to make. Yeah. Because the first record of any rock mm-hmm. group is very heavy. It right. usually is very, very fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. And that's the record that gets them attention. And then you look what happens over time, it gets so watered down because labels are trying to get radio play yep. and labels are trying to uh, attract different audiences. They're like, oh, okay, well, you can do two heavy songs, but you need a lot of ballads. You need right. a couple of this and that. And it's hard for me to see that because I, it's exactly what you're saying. I think the first record of any band is the music they want to make and it completely shifts. And yeah, there's some natural progression that happens in creativity. Yeah. And I think you should push yourself to do some new work. But you can still see where like the tone of it is completely lost as when other people get involved and start putting their hands in the pot and the paychecks start getting passed around all the time. And, you know, and and that's it's interesting to me because I've been preaching this for years where I'm like, you own the distribution now, kind of in Web2, you kind of own the distribution unless you get deplatformed. But the point being is that you can cultivate your own audience uh, and Web3 will now kind of help, you know, really solidify your ownership over the audience. But but the idea is that, like, you're now holding more of that creative control. It's just now forcing you maybe instead of delegating somebody else to figure out the business of you now saying, hey, listen, I love what we do and we've got this audience. How do we now kind of get a little bit more organized in a way that allows us to help expand? You know, some that Dr. Dre said in there, he's like, if I manage my 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 creativity like a business, I can help make more money that fuels the creativity to continue to grow, to continue to expand. I can, It'll, I can yeah. It, it allows you to be selective with your work. Yes. It allows, like yes. we talked about it, we talked when we were talking before this podcast about how you get to a point where you have enough respect in your industry, you can be very selective with who you work yes. with. And when you do that, you not only pick projects that allow your best work to come through, but you also pick projects that allow you to just feel good about what you're doing. And so you don't 
stand every day feeling completely fucking drained. And so you have the time and energy to invest in the stuff you really want to be doing because you have a good stable base of work that fuels that passion. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that's uh, the ability to pick the, the, the projects or the, the, the things, the outlets, whatever it is that you do because they resonate with you. There's a level of freedom in that that cannot mm -hmm. be bought. I'm sorry. It just cannot be bought. You know, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's a level of freedom. I would say it's absolute freedom. It's, it's absolute like the freedom. definition of it's the definition of freedom as like a creator that. to be able to create what you actually want to create. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, photographers, directors, writers work on projects every day. They don't want to work on because they have to you know, make money. And I've been there myself. Right. I spent a lot of time in advertising working on stuff that I just thought was boring. Right. Um, I never really worked on things I disagree. I never worked on stuff I completely disagreed with, though. Like I, I did get in some political campaigns early in my career, but if it was someone I really didn't see eye to eye with, I would talk to my, you know, my creative director at the time, and I asked to not be on those projects because it just felt gut wrenchingly wrong to do stuff I didn't agree with. I never worked for pharmaceutical companies. I always refused right. to take those contracts. Um, but that's not to say I didn't do a lot of jobs that weren't just boring and bland. And just did not suit me, but I had to to not only you know just get my paycheck, but just to get that experience under my belt too, and know what I wanted to do. And so when those projects came along that I knew would allow me to really shine as a writer and dig my teeth in, I, I knew that's what I needed to do. Let's talk about that balance because um, we were talking a little bit about before the show about um, you and I having you know similar and how we you know we were almost like a creative director, if you will, you know, and and how we we help clients, we have you know a stable of clients do some certain things, et cetera, and. It, I think sometimes people just think automatically like, oh, you're a writer. This is where all the money comes from. This is where everything happens. And like, you know, and, and you're living this glam. They, they see the Instagram and they'll see the numbers and they'll see like the books and they think that that's automatically. And I'm like, well, you kind of have to like mold and shape and, and do several different things. You have to, you know, create in a way that also drives some revenue for you that can actually reinvest that back into your art or the time that you spend over here, especially if it's very organic and you just want to grow your writing just to grow or your art in some capacity without necessarily feeling that it's hindered by anything, but that you have to, that, that balance, I think people forget that you, you know, you have, you, you kind of have to create, you have to build stuff that can help like manage that and, and uh, reinvest. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, this is probably dragging myself under the bus being a, a bad businessman, but the majority of my income doesn't come from my Instagram and my books. Um, the majority of my income still comes from contract work, right. uh, clients I've had to the advertising world. And you, a lot of people look at my following, you know, I have a half million on Instagram, you know, close to that on Facebook, you know, a couple hundred thousand on Twitter. And you would think I'd monetize the hell out of that. And people think I'm probably raking in seven figures off it. I'm not. Right. Um, and the reason is because like, like we talked about earlier, I probably am a bad businessman, but, um, I don't want to sell out on those platforms. Yes. I started those platforms as a way to say what I want to say outside of my contract work. And I have brands come at me every day, offering me large sums of money to be a influencer, a word I cannot stand. And right. I have people come to me all the time and offer me projects. And I say no. I say no to about 98% yes. of things that come my way through social media. Um, I make a good living on there. I could live just off that. But still, the majority of my life is outside writing. A lot of the work I do, I do a lot of directing for commercials. Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of creative direction for logo and brand conception design for ho hotels and bars and stuff like that. 
And then I just have buddies of mine that pull me into all sorts of projects here and there because I have enough of a business savvy that I can oversee like a project from start to finish. And so that's still where most of my income comes from. And so when it comes to balancing it, if I don't have that outside income, I don't have the time to write. Right. And what I mean by that is perfect. Obviously, if I didn't do that, I'd have a lot of time to write. But most of my time would be spent stressing about how I'm going to pay my rent next month. And so by taking those outside contracts, I can take care of everything I need to take care of. You know, I got a, I got a new son. I got, you know, mm -hmm. several pets and I have other things I need to pay for. But once I get all that stuff taken care of, then I have the freedom in my mind to not be burdened by stress or anxiety to where I can actually truly write. And that's what you see on Instagram. That's what you see in my self-published yep. books is the stuff I create in my downtime when I feel like I can just really focus on what I want to say and do. Yeah. I mean, it's very, there's a lot of really critical points in, in what you just brought up, which is if I can relieve myself of the worries and the stress that would hinder my creativity, good, because the creativity is, uh -huh. is a life force and I love it and I don't ever want to um, sell it out. Is there more I can do with it? Yes. And I'm continuing to do so under my terms. And I think that um, that's a long game mentality because, you know, like you said, you get the, in, the you know, be an influencer, do this, do that. And, and, I, and you've seen even some like even the underground folk of like in our work that they got the apple, they bit, they bit the apple and they like, yeah. and then, you know, they got the video and they ended up on, well, whoever talk show, we're not going to, you know, we don't need any name yeah, names, but, you know, well, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, but then I look at those people and go, God, you're such a loser. Like you've lost what made you right there. Interesting. You've right. lost what initially I respected about your yeah. work. And I've seen that happen a to lot. so many people where right. like I really respected a lot of creators. And then you watch when their work just shifts and yeah. changes and gets tweaked. And it's like, I work, I've been on the advertising back end of these like influencer campaigns and stuff. And I know, I, I can tell 100% when someone's getting paid to say what they're saying versus yeah. them saying what they want to say. I know what a pre-written script sounds like. I know the kind of plugs that a brand wants to make. And I know that's not an authentic testimonial. Right. And at that point, I just don't know how you can feel good about yourself. That's I it. just, I personally would rather make much less money, but when I'm older, look back on my life and be like, I was myself yep. and I presented my true self to the world. And this is where it got me as opposed to having this crisis of identity when I'm 50 and dealing with imposter syndrome and all this heavy mental stuff because I've realized my life was never really my own and I was just performing the whole time. I always say uh, it's going to take me a little, little longer because I'm not willing to sell my soul to do it, you know? So um, that's, that's the longevity stuff though. Like that's the foundation that will actually carry you much further in life. I mean, absolutely. we were talking about, we were chopping up about crypto before this and you know, the, the boring, the boring investing in crypto is the stuff that in the long run yep. is going to really pay off. Yep. And I think it's the same way with your creativity and your career. The stuff that takes longer to build also takes longer to be destroyed. Um, I can't remember which book I read it in early on in my career, but it said just as quickly as you rise, you'll fall yep. twice as fast. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that, and that was probably, and I was probably 25 at the time. And that one line, like, a lot of times you can read a book and I think if you can get one line from that book that really resonates with you, that whole book is worth it. And that one line has dictated a lot of my career mm. to where I felt, okay, this will do this for me. 
but I'm going to lose it just as quick. And then I've got to scramble. And then right. now I've also betrayed myself. I've tarnished my reputation and that repair work is not worth what this is going to do. Yeah. You compromised. And, and I can't, I can't do that. You know, I also heard the longer it takes, the longer it sustains. Um, so, Absolutely true. you know, and so I, I, you know, it's, uh, um, it was on the other side of that, what you had mentioned that I heard that. And, um, you know, and I think that that that's the part that, uh, what I like when you were talking about how you you got the other clients as well and, and other things too. Well, one, a lot of what fuels my creativity is life. And if I'm out there in life and I'm actually building on other things as well too, um, it allows my mind in a way to expand. Business helps me, you know, especially business of creativity, helps me expand my my myself in a lot of ways and dealing with people and understanding emotions and understanding my own emotions, other people's emotions, all of these things, you know, uh, my spiritual side, my emotional side, my mental body, all these things, they easily come out even more so in my work. But I also love when you were bringing up about, you know, like some of these, yeah, some of these people, you see that shift. And it's funny when I'm sure you get this, when people go, you know, um, uh, have you checked out so-and-so? You remind me of so-and-so or have you this? And I'm like, I'm aware of who that is. It, it's and it, and it's and I'm always, and I always do like, God bless. I like I just stay in my lane. But like because you know it's like at the same time, my 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 uh, morals and values of it are like, I'm aware, but I'm not gonna comment. <laughs> you know. But I'm like I hear I hear thank you. I hear that stuff often. Like right? oh you're like so and so, but this you're like yeah, so and so, right. but this version. You know? And <laughs> in a way, I guess you know sometimes it's flattering. For the most part, it's like. Yeah, the big difference between me and that person is I'm actually myself. Yeah, right. It's That's everything. the major difference. It's everything. Um, <laughs> and what you were talking about being, you know, inspired by life. Almost everything I write on social media is me turning an actual situation that I'm yes. going through at the time into a short, succinct observation. Um, and when it comes to like hard times in my life. Some of my best writing has come from that, but not in the sense that I think it's cliche that writers have to suffer in order to create. Right. I think a lot of writers fall into that trap and they purposely just perpetuate these unsustainable, terrible fucking lifestyles. And I was a member of that at one point. I mean, I was a while where I was just like going all the time and raging and partying and drinking, thinking like, oh, this is what writers do. And <laughs> I wrote a lot of good stuff then, but really what made my stuff good was my ability to sit and reflect yes. on things that were hard and try and find a way to make them relatable to other people. Yeah. So most of my tweets, if not all of them, are like directly based on a conversation I've just had, yes. something I've just seen, something I'm reflecting on at the time. And a lot of my books are written the same way. I'm actually working on another book now, which is focused on fatherhood because it's something that's very big in my life right now. I'm very focused on it. I'm very observant of my son studying the world. And so while I'm in that state of living it every day, I want to put it, you know, pen to paper per se and write a book about that. And so creativity is absolutely fueled by the way you're living and the people that feel uninspired. I just think you're living a boring life. Yeah. And there is nothing. I said this in another podcast too. There's no writer's block or creative block. I've never been able to get through by getting out and moving. Yeah. If I go outside and go run or I go to the gym and hit the elliptical for 30 minutes or more, if I get moving, I can break through almost any plateau in my creative um, uh, trajectory. And it's the same way with life. I think if you get to a point where, whether you're a creator or not, I think this is just advice for people in general. If you feel like you're in your hometown and you're stagnant or you feel like you're stagnant at your job or you're stagnant in your relationship 
and it's something that can't be repaired or changed, you got to fucking move. Yeah. You got to get to a new area. You got to get out and not only move physically, but you need to move mentally. You need to move spiritually. And you have to do that as a businessman. You have to do that as an individual just to keep creativity flowing and life going and ideas flowing and positive interactions in your life are not going to come by you just sitting there and doing nothing. I love when uh, people say a couple of points on that. People say stuff like, um, back in the beginning, like, what are you gonna do when you run out? I'm like, of content? <laughs> they were like, well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, because in the beginning on the HDF account, I was doing it a certain way. I was like, I, I, I'll never run out of content. I'm like, I'm alive, you know, and I get it. They yeah, were, yeah. They, they were looking yeah, as a content yeah. creator, not a writer. And I was like, I'm alive. I'm like, do you have any idea? I was like, you guys are practically writing the book for me. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just needing a platform to get it out and talk about the experiences. And I'm like, and instead of using names to like single people out, I'm like this company or this brand or this person, I'm like, I wanna relay what my lessons are to the world to be like, hey, something to think about, you know, in life and in business and in love and relationships and in health and spirituality, like, you know, and and let's have that conversation, you know? And, and it's interesting, like you are saying, like when, you, when you're in that authentic, like I'm just relaying my experiences and, and my growth, you get people all the time to say like, how are you in my head? How do you know? Like, how do you like, I feel like I just, I was just thinking this, like you're in my head right now. I'm like, I'm you. I'm just saying. Because we're all I'm, human. I, yeah, I was like, we're I'm, all human, yeah, dude. I'm, yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'm you. I'm like, I'm just saying it out loud. We're all going through it. And the people mm -hmm. who may say they're not going through it, either they're completely detached from reality or they just haven't even dealt with it yet themselves, even though they're maybe huge online or huge in the world-ish. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't treat anybody really as a celebrity in general, but like, and I was like, so we're all, we're all going through the same shit. We're all going through it. Just that like how we're dealing with it and, and understanding it and then creating, you know, around that to better understand ourselves. I'm like, but that's life. That's what fuels creativity. I liked what you said about people were viewing it as content as opposed to being a writer, because I think that's a way that people unintentionally pigeonhole themselves in their creativity. Right. And it's also, I think, painful to hear. I don't like any creators calling themselves content right. creators. Like you're a creative, like you don't make fucking content. I hate that. It just monetizes it too much in my mind. But when you think in a content perspective, you tend to pigeonhole yourself too tightly and think, okay, well, this is the content that has worked for me in the past. So I need to stay on this path of content. Whereas your lifestyle now might be totally different or your life, your days are different than they were a month ago. And if you are willing to stay in that here and now, that's how you like you said, if you're living, you constantly have stuff to write about. Like the day I run out of things to say I'm will dead. be the day that I run out of like minutes <laughs> in my day. Like you better believe, I don't know what technology platform we're going to have. When I'm like 90 on my deathbed, I'm going to find ways to relay what it feels like to die to the world. Like I'm going to find ways to turn in my last moments of reflection. I'm going to turn them into words to put out there. Like that's just what I'm going to do up until it happens. And it's because I haven't, ever thought of myself as a content creator right right and 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 so it's like it's an interesting conversation because they they look at it, i'm like well i can do 225 words a minute like unscripted on any like it's a freestyle for me i'm like for me it's like my zen space i'll sit down and be like you know like and and you're like and they think about it they're like yeah but how do you do that i'm like you're thinking too much about the how and not enough about expressing yourself i was like like there's not a like you know and, and it's funny i'll never forget like and you were in the ad agency world the ad, the ad world as well like you know and you get in i remember like a couple of ceos we were talking about authenticity and then one of them was like so like how do you do like you know the with 
with your online, you know, um, like the stuff. And I'm like, what? Like the, the whole authenticity He's like, yeah. Like, how do you write like that? I'm like, authentically. <laughs> you know? And he was like, well, yeah. And I was like, listen, I'm like, I get it. You're part of a whole system infrastructure, which I also don't even believe in, which has really suppressed not only your creativity, but who you really are. Because if you heaven for like heaven forbid, you should actually say the wrong fucking thing or the thing that like, you know, is the truth. And you have to deal with a whole other set of like, you know, interesting variables of people, you know, let all that shit go. It's the relationship between you and um, yourself and then how you bring it to the world. And if you can get rid of the politics of business and get into the, you know, the foundation of who you are in your relation to yourself and then the people you serve, it's done. It's a wrap. But that's that's now now you're requiring a level of humility, self-reflection, self-awareness, <laughs> personal growth. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a I think where people have to get out of their head. You know, the other thing, too, is that um, and I wanted you to touch on this is that I think sometimes people are constantly waiting to be, quote unquote, ready. And I'm like, there isn't really a ready point. It's it, like if you keep waiting to be ready, you, you just, you know, as the famous saying is, you'll never start. But it's like starting is how I can draw experience to write about randomly doing something and creating an experience is how I'm able to then like reflect or have something of value for myself, which then I can reiterate to the world without it. Like, you know, I, and I wouldn't want it scripted. I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't, what are we preparing for? Just go. You yeah. Know? So I, I, I said this once before is you can never time things to be perfect, but you can time things so you won't regret it. Yes. And the only way to do that is just to fucking start it. Yep. Like the only way to not regret something is just to start. And as far as being ready, I don't know if you've read the war of art by yeah. Stephen Pressfield. Pressfield yep. talking about resistance and how it kind of impedes you from things. That whole idea that you need to be ready to write something is like, the very epitome of what he defines as resistance because right. what i found in my work and especially with my last book is i set aside time every day i was like i'm going to write from this time to this time i'm going to write for seven hours and i did it every day for weeks mm -hmm. seven hours whether it was good or not i got it done and that's the whole point of editing so you can go back and make it look like you know the first draft wasn't shit because the right. first draft of everything is shit. i think ernest hemingway said that but there you're never going to be ready to truly create something you just start creating it and then but once you hit you'll you'll feel it you'll feel oh, yeah. it. like your feet your feet will get underneath you and you will have pushed through like that self-doubt and you'll push that overthinking and when your feet hit the ground at that point it just flows and then you look back on it and go damn like that was it but if anyone's waiting to be ready to create or start something it's again it's one of those it's like it sounds almost platitudinal to say it at this point there really will never be a perfect time. You just go and then the flow comes and then you, you, you feel it and you just keep running with it. The, there's no way to manufacture the feeling that you just spoke about before starting. But the feeling mm -hmm. you just spoke about only comes from that, like from oh. that adrenaline of actually in, in the race, running it and doing it. It's like, it's like a runner's high. Yeah. Like the only way to get a runner's high is to start fucking running. Yeah. You don't wait till you get a runner's high to start running. Like you have to actually run four or five miles. Then you get the runner's high. I think creativity works the same way. Yeah. It, it absolutely. And it, and it's interesting because it's like, a, I, I kind of also approach it like a puzzle and I'm like, well, um, I got these details in my head 
I want to like bring them to life and let's see what happens as I'm creating and what is the organic nature of the things you know it's so back to your point about law of attraction and I and I've tried to explain this to people I'm like once you're actually in movement and you're giving something time and energy and attention then of course like you get these really cool things that come out of nowhere people are like we can help you do that or hey uh have you ever thought about this you're like I am I'm working on that now like oh here here you go and you're like thank you for that piece. I was, I was wondering where that puzzle piece was going to come from or, or something that you just hadn't thought of, but like helps complement it. You're like, nice, because you're in the movement of the thing, which puts you around situations and people and opportunities, or even if it's in your, in your house, it doesn't matter because your energy is flowing in it. And once the energy is flowing yeah. in it, it just, <laughs> you know, somebody literally comes out of nowhere and they're like, have you ever thought about this? You're like, I have you're like, Oh, I have a friend that does illustrations. If you want, they could just do this with you. And you're like, that would be, that would, that would be great. Thanks. You know, <laughs> you just yeah, a, a lot of the law of attraction. I think a lot of people misunderstand it is they think that you're just going to think about it and it's going to appear. Right. right. Um, yeah. The law of attraction, the way I see it and the way I've watched it operate in my life is you're in such a heightened state of awareness yes. because you truly believe something's possible that everything that is going to aid in that dream you can just find a way to plug it in because you just yes. you're open-minded and so by you know being like oh, i don't believe in the law of attraction you're just closing your mind down right. well you can call it whatever you want to call it but in my times in my life when i have told myself i am going to do this this and this and here's how i'm going to get there i have always gotten there yeah. and more yeah. because the way you operate is differently. You make decisions differently when you're in a positive mindset than when you're already assuming they're going to go wrong. And there's this whole online um, culture shift to like stoicism where you see a lot right. of people are becoming like right. stoic and stuff. Right. And I understand the rationale of it. And I think a lot of it's very valuable, but I think a lot of people misinterpret stoicism yes. too, to where yes. they see the negative in every fucking thing before they see how it can actually help them. Right. And they're like, Oh, well, this is just what stoics do. It's like, no, like, <laughs> I love you. dude. <laughs> that's, that's not what it, that's not how it works. Like stop uh, following these fucking stoic accounts. If that's how they're affecting right. your life. You need to actually approach life with a very open mind yeah. and an understanding that things can go right. But what Stoics is really trying to teach you is that if things go wrong, it's not the end of the world. If things go wrong, you can still find a way out right. of them, which should be like the ultimate takeaway of that kind of mindset. But too many people just take it as like, think of how everything can go wrong first, and then maybe think about how it can go right. And if you operate on that wavelength, I can tell you, your life, your relationships, your career path, everything in your life is going to be harder than it needs to be. I have had that conversation about the stoicism because it actually was about stoicism as some of the spiritual accounts, some of the healing accounts, some of all this other stuff accounts. And I'm just like, listen, especially with the stoicism, I'm like, it's just that in any given moment when something doesn't go as planned, which by the way, you have zero control of the outside world and you need to all stop expecting, you know, you should start expecting the unexpected. I always say, I'm like, I always say humans will be humans will be humans. People always say, well, what does that mean? I was like, I actually believe that at any given point in time, a human might potentially do something that will not be in my favor. But uh, meaning like I can't like right now, right now I can hang up on this podcast yeah. and this, this episode is completely unusable. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, the, and here's the funny thing is, and I would, I would instantly be like, and so we've lost the captain. And so like a couple of final <laughs> notes that we need to really think about, blah, 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 you know, but no, but the, the point being is that like, if we are in control of our emotions and our understanding of who we are and how we can show up and like, I can only control me. I cannot control the outside world. No, I want to. 
I like what you brought up about the stoicism part. It's like, listen, yes, things can happen that may not be favorable. That's very possible. If you have a very yeah. strong relationship with yourself, that's not going to matter, but you will understand your emotions in any given moment and proceed accordingly. And I feel like if people understand that more out of like what you're saying, like Stoics, you know, believe and it's like that's negative and therefore I will rise to the occasion of this. I'm like, no, you have to have like integration. <laughs> you can't just like. Yeah, so it's, it, it goes back to the little balance thing we were talking about earlier, having yeah. balance in different areas of your life. You have to have balance in the way you think. Um, I like what you said about emotional management there because I said this before and I actually got some flack for it. Um, the only thing you truly own in life is your emotions. Yeah. Um, and people are like, oh, well, you don't. And people get, you know, trolls and people that just want to argue will find all sorts of ways to pick holes in that because they don't want to accept the fact that it's fucking true. Right. And or take responsibility. That's kind of the whole that's kind of the whole premise of my book, Speech Therapy, was I took a variety of situations that are gonna to happen to all of us in our life, whether it's a heartbreak, losing a job, car trouble, you know, your your pet dies, and examining it from a perspective of how can you interpret those emotions honor those emotions but also not allow it to completely derail your day or your week right. or your life which is what people do like i know people that have been through a breakup that five years later they have not recovered from 10 years later have not recovered from and it's not only sad it's it's fucking pathetic because it's not a way to live your life and so if you can experience those emotions and feel them on the onset and come to turn to them and move past them, the rest of your life is going to be so much more productive and so much better. And again, that's true with business relationships and everything, everything. that emotional management is probably one of the most powerful things you can have in any area of your life. And there's a reason why people always preach that emotional intelligence is the, you know, the highest form mm -hmm. of intelligence, because like you just said, humans are going to be humans are going to be humans. So that means the way you talk with each other in meetings, the way you interact with someone on the street, if you can understand the emotions mm -hmm. and how there, you can not only negotiate better contracts oh, yeah. for yourself as a creator, you can have a more fulfilling friendship. You can have a much better relationship with your boss because you understand how emotions work. And that's where I think everyone should really dig deeper in this whole entrepreneurship race. And a lot of these online life coaches that, you know, show you photos of, a green Lamborghini that isn't fucking theirs. And they tell you how they 10 X their money flipping properties, which is probably also a bunch of horse shit. If more people would focus on integrating that emotional management into yes. your hustle, you would not only find yourself in a more productive headspace, you will find yourself in a much more successful area in life. Not to mention it's going to be a lot more enjoyable getting there. Yeah. And so by the time you do get there, you're not going to have like this burnout and you're not going to have this feeling of why well, I worked my ass off. So now I got to spend all this money to justify why I worked my ass off. And I read a psychological study about that, where people who work jobs, they hate for money have far less in savings, even if they make a lot because they justify the shittiness of their job for the, you know, yeah. strictly as a paycheck. And so they spend the paycheck when they get it. And you see this happen where, people will be like, I don't know how that guy went broke. And they'll be like, you know, Wall Street guys and these bankers that make a lot of income and they'll go broke. And you wonder how it happened. It's because they hated, you know, the job to get there in the first place. And so they never actually, you know, did anything with money other than spend it to keep perpetuating that feeling they were having, you know? 
you know, and you also be in your integrity when you're like to the form of what you were saying. It's like, um, you, you know, you're saying it'll be much more fulfilling. You'll be in your integrity and your values. And now you're and, and that has a much bigger play in the longevity of uh, what you build and in, in your own individual legacy. The other thing I was thinking about when you were talking about emotional management, too, is that I try to tell people, um, you know, also believe in the miraculous, you know, in the spiritual. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like. Okay, so you ended up like, and it happened to me many, many times in life. You ever all of a sudden been removed from a project, removed from a person, late to this, late to that, and then all of a sudden later on you were like, thank God I wasn't around those people. Thank God that person like, and I didn't get to work together. Thank God that like, you don't always know that there's also sometimes a layer of protection spiritually. I think that you're just like, listen, for some reason, you can fight to get somewhere so hard and there's just so much resistance. Mm -hmm. Not even sure why, because you just don't belong there. Let that go. You may just not, that's just energy that is not allowed for you. And if you have more emotional management, you won't be trying to, I got to get into with these people. I got to get in with these people. Like, believe me, there may be a reason you don't want to be one of those people. And I remember even like a, a friend of mine from India, uh, we went to a school the other many years ago and, and we were, we were late for like a, a meeting with a venture capital and I was, I was stressed and we ended up with a, a flat tire uh, on the highway and you know, we're, we're fixing it. We're doing all this other stuff. And he's like, we're exactly where we need to be. And I was like, I'm going to go with that. And he goes too soon, too late. Doesn't matter. We're not supposed to be somewhere else at this exact moment. We're exactly where we need to be. We get back in the car, we go up the road. There was like a 15 car pile up. You know what I'm saying? So we don't always, we're, we're so, I gotta like, I gotta, I gotta make this happen. I gotta force this thing happen. And I always tell people, I'm like, listen, like if you can understand not only your emotions, but understand that like, you know, at there are levels here where like, there just may be areas that aren't for you. Be less attached to that um, because you also may just be, being somewhat protected from being in places that you just don't really even need to be. That self-awareness can really save you a shit ton of problems. And I would go so far as to say the hardest or lowest points in my life have been when I've tried to fight back on those things I can't change. Yeah. When, I, when, I, when, I, when I've resisted against change I didn't want or I've tried to control situations that are uncontrollable, that is always when I've been the most stressed, when I've been the most miserable, when I felt like severe signs of depression is when I have failed to just acknowledge that in yes. my life. And furthermore, just on top of what's, you know, outside your control, believe in the miraculous, a lot of people need to get better at trusting their gut. Yes. Um, like you'll go in, you'll go into meetings with someone and you just feel kind of off. And I can tell you, I've had meetings with people where for some reason I just didn't feel like this was a person I should be working with. And then six months later, you find out their business has gone bankrupt because they were embezzling all this money and doing right. all this bullshit on the yeah. side that you didn't know, but you just didn't have a good feeling when you met them. Trusting your gut will help you so much in business. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, again, it's, 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 it's really the idea of letting go of control and yeah. learning to just let life flow, whether it's you just kind of trusting your gut and being like, all right, or you just need to trust the process of, like you said, things that happen that or job offers that don't seem to come your way that you thought were meant for you. The less your identity is attached to things that are uncontrollable, the better, the better you're going to be as a person the in the long you, run and everything. The more you're yourself. You have no choice. <laughs> you have yeah, to... when I when I first left the advertising world in 2018, 19, 2019 is when I left. I was in New York City. I was living in a high rise tower. I had I literally had an office on Madison Avenue. Like I was think 
I thought I was like, this is the echelon of the advertising world. I'm a creative director on Madison Avenue, New York City. I'm a kid from fucking Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'm 30 years old living this role. And my identity became so tightly wound to that, that when I left, even though I knew it was the right move, that was the biggest cause of my depression was the fact that I had attached my identity to this creative director in New York City. And I went through like a six month period where I didn't create anything worth a damn that I thought was good because I was just allowing that to feed me. And uh, I, I read this in a book recently, a Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. book. It's called The Mastery of Life. You know, inside all of us, there lives these two wolves and one mm -hmm. wolf represents like mm -hmm. positivity and light and love. And the other wolf represents like negativity and darkness and, you know, depressive thoughts and stuff. And if those two wolves get in a fight, what wolf's going to win? Obviously, the wolf you feed the most because it's going to be bigger and stronger. And so mm. if you just sit there and keep feeding that negative stuff or keep feeding your attachment to things you can't control, you're going to continue to have that shit happen to you because you're, you're, you're just operating on that level to where everything that comes your way just feels like it's validation of why you're feeling so shitty. That's a good, that's a very good point about um, which one are you feed, which wolf are you feeding the most? Because um, I think sometimes people get this, this idea of like, oh, you know, you must not have like any bad days off or, oh, you got to this. And then I'm like, I am a fucking human being. Are you crazy? But what happens is on any given day, I mean, even like, you know, uh, on any given week, if, if, you know, there's there's things that, you know, in the world that you don't see coming or just are just brand new or just they're just things that, you know, are coming up, you know, as you learn. And but you're right. It was a, as I was listening to talk about that in those moments, the wolf, the one of light always wins for me because it is the one I fuel more. But it doesn't mean I don't have a wolf of dark. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And man, we all do. they get into a brawl. I mean, it, some yeah. of them are pretty close, too. I'm like, ooh, like you're about to like you are like it's like it's like a old school, uh, you know, WWE wrestling, you know, <laughs> when it was WWF <laughs> wrestling all the way back in the day. when it's like, man, you thought Hulk was down for the count and out of nowhere. You know, I know it's acting, but out of nowhere, he gets up with like no energy left and wins. Right. Like the hero, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, you know, I like that you, you bring that up. It's like which one in the in all other times before the fight happens, are you feeding? And if you're feeding exactly. that one a lot, you know, it will show up when the fight does come between your two sides, your two internal sides, right? 100%. And that's why, and, it, and again, it all kind of ties back to what we we're saying about emotional management being yes. probably the strongest business, you know, as, you know the, the asset to your business is just your emotions. It yeah. really is going to be no matter what you're pursuing in life, whether you're a creator or a crypto trader or try and true entrepreneur, right. your ability to handle your emotions is ultimately what is going to set your trajectory and where you're going in life. Yeah. And well, you know, and the other thing too is, and I tell people this all the time, I'm like, you'll start to take things less personally. You know, when like 100%. the more you have your own emotional management, you'll be like, like, and, and you can start to train yourself. And I brought this up several times. Like, you know, uh, Bruce Lee was talking about um, in a very old interview, obviously, um, about. Uh, when people come at you and he was talking about not just in the physical, but like even in, in like the, the, the mental or the emotional or whatever, he's like, they're projecting, right? He goes, you have to get to a place where as it's coming at you, don't like just react. You want to respond. And before responding, understand what you're feeling inside. And if you practice that long enough over time, you'll like in seconds, it'll be so fast that you like know how to respond but you have to practice it first. So like I found in business, like I would start to feel like a stirring up feeling is like somebody's like kind of projecting on me. And I'm like, well, we all know this has nothing to do with me because if I'm already on my game, 
A, now that moves me right into step two, which is don't take it personal, which moves me into step three, like, ooh, this person's hurting. And so I can then actually disarm them almost immediately and be like, what's going on most as a priority for you right now? I want to see how we can support you and get you whatever it is that you need. Boom, they melt because they've been seen, felt, and heard. All of a sudden, they go from tough being an asshole to like, you know, actually, I'm so overwhelmed right now. <laughs> they just like bore out, and you're like, wow, like you would never normally cry publicly. I'm like, this is great. We're, we're making progress. Like, what's happening besides you need a hug? But like, <laughs> like what, what can we do to like help reduce the overwhelm for and support you? It's like, instead of them now, basically, and I found people, I'm like, you're worried about what I'm doing because it'll help hopefully justify what you are not getting done. If you can find a mistake on my side, it has nothing to do with me because like who the fuck doesn't make mistakes? I'm like, but I'm going to make them faster than you can even notice them. And they're already going to be corrected long before you ever even get to me because we're just on it. So let's talk about what you're facing right now so we can help you. And I think that that, that starts, like you said, you almost begin to make kind of like a friend out of them where it could have been a very, like I, if this were 10 years ago, me, <laughs> it turned into a foe of like, I don't understand. The naive me was like, I don't understand. Like, I'm just so collaborative. And I was like, oh, wait, now I get it. It's their, their inability um, to process their emotions and they're leading more from them and their own traumas and their own healing. And a lot of times from a corporate structure where they failed up anyways. <laughs> so the cool thing, like you just said about the cool thing about not taking things personally is it allows you to hold that space for the people yes. and form like a human to human connection. But on top of that, not taking things personally, not only makes your life easier, it actually exudes an air of confidence yes. that will help you when like say you're pitching venture capital, if you cannot take their criticism personally, you're going to be more confident, which most likely means you're going to close that that yeah. round of funding. Like you're more yeah. likely to get that funding by not taking things personally. And you're going to attract more people to you. It's actually a brilliant business strategy to not take things personally. Yeah. When you're confident, people feel like, oh, shit, what does this guy know that I'm not seeing? You're going to get more people that want to work with you. But then in like your personal life, not taking things personally, more people want to be your friend. More people want to date you. More people want to be around you because there's both sides of that coin. You're able to hold space for them because you can understand yeah. what's going on. But then you air this air of confidence you have will attract so many more people to you. And so by not taking things personally in your work, you're not only doing yourself a favor, like mentally, but financially, you're going to be better off. You know, right there, right? Not taking things personally is the best business plan. I'm going to quote us on that. <laughs> like, but, yeah, it, 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 it absolutely is, though. You know, like be, it's, it's a fantastic model for success in a lot of areas well you know and to your point about the venture capitalists like and because what it does is it drops you into humility and conversation so if i'm in a vc meeting and they're like oh well, what about this like you know that's actually a really good point point. and if i actually did this differently that would solve that a lot better now you're innovating together and all of a sudden the vc could be like i like you and you're like yeah like i've been in i can work with this yeah guy. yeah they're like huh you're like because you're actually listening to them and be like oh i see what you're saying i'm like so in other words, if I didn't do this, this might help that. And thereby we can actually do this. And you'd be like, you know, then maybe you could do this. Like, oh, I see where you're kind of going with this. Maybe I, I think I like what you're trying to create here. But like, I like the point that you made, though. Thank you. Like, now you're just having a fucking like, conversation, you know? <laughs> I like what you said about because now you're listening to them because when your guards are up yes. and you're taking criticism as an attack on you, you're actually limiting how much you can learn from people. Yeah. Like that VC might have a great fucking idea to innovate your your new business model because you were open enough to not put a guard up. I mean, 
there's another benefit right there not taking things personally is you're going to learn more yeah. you're just going to be more open to hearing other ideas and guess what i don't care who the fuck you are your ideas are not always going to be the best right people are going to have ideas that are better than yours and you need to remain open enough to acknowledge those when they happen and put them into play and i and i want them to i, I cuz like cuz i'm always trying to optimize something i'm i'm genuinely interested in so when i hear like well, that, yeah, right go ahead isn't that the point of a vc is to yeah. get money plus a business partner at the same time right like you want a vc that actually understands the industry better than you so yeah. he can not only fund you but guide you i yeah. mean why if you're just taking money from them like that relationship's kind of doomed from the get-go you're 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 attaching to the wrong investor at that point that's exactly it and you know in, in uh, honesty is the fastest way to get hopefully the greatest outcome you're looking for in anybody you're doing with business with because you may also not do business with them and that's also a really great outcome if you have that perspective. honesty saves time honestly doesn't waste Every time and with it it doesn't put energy where it shouldn't be if right. you're honest like for honest in your dating about what you want out of a relationship you're not right. going to waste six months in it that's if you're exactly. honest about what you want from a partnership in business you're not going to waste two years trying to fight over a bunch of dumb decisions in the boardroom yeah you know and i and i tell everybody uh, something that i took on myself which is Say it all up front. <laughs> first date, first business meeting relationship, first, like, just say it. What is it? Who are you? What do you want? It's okay. It's okay to talk about that. You know, like, especially when, when I see people, you know, when they're, they're talking about, like, dating rules, I'm like, well, did you, did you know that about them up front? Like, no. I'm like, how did you not know? Like, did you guys talk about those things? Did like, you ask? Yeah, right? <laughs> did you, you know, it's like, be willing to have those conversations up front and say, like, hey, listen, I'm looking for a partnership and marriage. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. This is where I'm at. This is how things are going. I totally respect you if that's not what you're looking for. You just got to let me know because I would also need you to kind of get out of the way for then what is for me. <laughs> you know, That's what yeah. I'll never understand is people who like six months or a year into a relationship be like, yeah, it's such a deal breaker for me. Well, if it was a deal breaker, why the fuck are you still in it? And a lot of times because we just had that false hope we could change people, which again comes back to things that are out of our control. Like right. you shouldn't go into anything planning to change somebody. But man, if you know, again, like, this whole conversation has had a very common theme. If you know something's not meant for you and you're willing to be open enough to accept that, yeah. dude, more your life is going to be infinitely better. Yeah. Man, we could go on the tear. <laughs> I think we just we did. Could. We, could, we, could, we could talk about every way that not taking things personally is going to benefit your life. But hopefully the people listening to this take away the one, the one idea that like not taking things personally is honestly going to be like the strongest business plan. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, and then I feel like... Um, it just allows you to, as, you, as we said, you know, hear things differently um, and communicate differently. And I, and I just, um, you cannot get that without emo a stronger emotional uh, intelligence, a, small, a stronger uh, um, uh, understanding of your emotions at large, period. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it, the benefit is to you and to the world in which you serve. So I, like a lot of people actually get a lot of benefit from you. And then I think that's why like, it's so interesting you see like everybody want to save the world. I'm like, save yourself. That does save the world. And I know that it seems so minimal for a lot of people like, no, it's just me oh. was one person in the world. I'm like, if you do it and you do it and you, if a whole bunch of healed people, <laughs> like, you know, or understanding of who they are, people can show up to the world. We've all just solved our problems now, haven't we? <laughs> you know? That's what more people didn't understand too, is putting yourself first is the best thing you can do for anybody else. Right. Um, you know, as like a parent, if you don't put yourself first, you're not going to show up there for your child. Right. right. Um, what as example a boss, are you you're not putting, yeah, as a boss, if you're not putting your needs first, you're not going to show up for your employees. Like yeah. you have to put yourself first. I mean, it goes to the airplane 
you know, put your mask on first before you put it on your child. Like you have to do that in life. Right. Yeah. And I think people miss that part is like, <laughs> you know, you're a stronger you is a better you for everybody else. If you deplete yourself, you're worthless. You can't help anybody. Absolutely. You know, that's incredible. Where can, so I know, I know you're very findable online, but like for the, for the listeners that don't know yet, which, you know, may be a rarity. Uh, again, you, by the way, it was, it was one of my, um, you know, it was one of my uh, audience members, one of my followers that that was a, <laughs> it was a random text. Um, I don't know if you guys know each other, um, but that was really no. nice. That was really nice of her when she just like thought of us at the same time. And I was like, oh, uh, and uh, by the way, talk about flow. I was like, hey, yeah, well, actually, I really appreciate your work. Uh, uh, yeah, you're more than welcome to come on the podcast. Would love to. And then you reached out uh, single Annalise. So uh, Janine, thank you uh, <laughs> for that random, you know. That, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, she linked us up in a DM and said, you guys should have a conversation. It's yeah. I'm very glad she did. Yeah, I thought that was that was excellent. So shout out to you. I, it's funny. She saw my uh, post the other day. Uh, stories, I was like that we were going to have a conversation this Friday. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad that, you know, that that worked out. I was like, you made that happen. I was like, <laughs> that was the most random and, and, and uh, swift. I was like, I, I really appreciate you. But um, for everybody, where, where can they find everything of yours online right now from the social to the books and everything? So if you go to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, my handle is always S-G-R-S-T-K. Um, and then I go by the captain or Kyle Creek. If you just type that in, you should pull up something pretty quickly. Okay. Um, and then on any one of those platforms, I have a link that'll take you to all my books on Amazon, or you could just type in speech therapy or fucking history on any local Amazon and either of those copies should come up. Yeah. You got quite a few books out there now. I noticed. So I have seven right? total. Incredible. I have a feel free to quote me series, which yeah, is yeah, three yeah. books. And then the fucking history series was originally two books and I got re-released as like a compendium as one book. So I have seven total, but I think only five are currently available for sale. So mm, it's incredible. Still, there's plenty of con plenty of content out there for people to find. And I just call my work content there and I'm gonna feel bad about it for the rest <laughs> of the day. Nah. But because, <laughs> it, because it's a fresh it's a fresh word in my head right now uh, after the conversation we've had. <laughs> well, you know, the the content is the serving part, but the writing is the creativity. You know what I mean? So like because like, you know when yeah. we when we launch stuff okay. online, that is because yeah, we we are we're serving. We're you know, we're, I always say to people like um you know, with the account, I'm like, well, publicly I'm of service, but I'm a very private individual, which is why you kind of only see only so much. Cause I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm the same online and offline, but just that like, you know, I also need a little bit of my space. <laughs> anyway. so, so I used to be fairly private yeah. and my life has gotten infinitely better since I stopped being so private. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and maybe you have like a different, uh, you know, relationship you want with your audience, but I would, encourage you to be more open in like Absolutely. your life and you'll you will find that it's much easier to not only think of things to share but Absolutely. to relate with people i mean for years i didn't even have my real name on my social handles it was just the captain yeah and people had to like do some weird deep diving to find out yeah. my real name then they'd send stuff to my house which weirded me out and i just took that as confirmation i needed to be more private but then after 2019 when you know I, I basically admitted to my audience that i was struggling with some mental health and stuff i came out with my real name and i was like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna come out about everything and so now i share like every little aspect of my life yeah. online and i found that it's more conducive to my creativity but i just have like a much better relationship mm. with my followers and you know fans too like i actually am like genuinely friends with a lot of them now because we talk yeah. so much in dms about real issues because i've been willing to put it out there yeah you know uh, i think you're 100 percent correct actually um yeah when i say privately uh, uh meaning like um i may not uh like I, I may not be showing like um 
this dinner, that, you know, this intimate dinner or something, you know? Well, that's, yeah, I mean, but, that's, but, but, other yeah, than that, that's... But, but other than that, you're, no, you're 100% right. I think it's great to, because the, 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 the conversations, especially, I love voice texting. I love um, the, the conversations in DM for helping people like, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, um, how did you deal with this and things like that? And I'm like, we, you know, that's where we really get to be publicly of service. But you're absolutely right. I mean, even showing a little bit more of the visual as well, which is something that I like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost kind of returning back to um, just because uh, I think it just, you know, it, it, like, People are genuinely curious, like, how'd you figure this shit out? I'd be like, oh, here, let's go on a tear. I'll tell you exactly how I figured this out. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what I'm learning now. I'll tell you exactly what I still haven't figured out, you know? And I think that um, that extra, you know, um, connection of like, oh, cool, just another really like a cool dude that's like figuring shit out and like, you know, and willing to share, you know, his journey, that goes a long way. It goes a very long way. So, yeah, absolutely. I and I appreciate you doing all that, man. So, um, cool. So for everybody listening, the captain, Kyle Creek, you guys can find him online. Uh, literally, like you should not have a problem finding him online. <laughs> you type that in the search and you'll be good to go. Um, and, uh, you know, just appreciate you. By the way, I always say this. Um, every guest is welcome to come back on. And I say it's a journey driven podcast. So like six months from now, a year from now, two months from now. Life is changing pretty fast um, these days, so you're more than welcome to come back yeah, on. We get super into that. Whole other I'm super of, into that. I like, right? yeah, I like the idea of doing a follow up conversation. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, it, they get, they get, they get wild. <laughs> you know? I'll do my, I'll do my best to live a very interesting life for the next six months. And Perfect. I'll, I'll fuck a, I'll fuck a lot of things up intentionally. Perfect. Just so I have things to talk about. <laughs> so, so everybody listening, uh, come uh, like July, <laughs> we'll do another yeah. episode. June, July. Yeah, be, we should have be super down. That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, sit tight for just one second. We'll we'll connect here offline. But uh, but for everybody listening, the captain Kyle Creek, please check him out. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, you know, again, uh, five star review, rating reviews. It always helps uh, more so the algorithms of me. If you don't, I'm just grateful that you're tuning in. To be perfectly honest with you, but I do also like the feedback. So if you want to even DM me and let me know anything or any thoughts, uh, Kyle's very busy, but please reach out to him. Um, you know, on his on his DM, if you you know whether it's for his books or you know quick advice. I always tell all of you guys, like, and I know you guys are very respectful, but be respectful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially since people are very busy. Um, but I feel like you guys are like the, uh, the greatest audience. So I really appreciate you guys. Um, thank you as always for tuning in for Kyle Creek, the captain for myself, Matt Gosman and the hustle sold separately. We are out.